This is the quarter hour podcast. It's 5.53 p.m. Arabian Standard Time. This is Omar WJ speaking. It's supposed to be uh, only 42 tomorrow, so um, hopefully you're not too cold. Um, It was 46 yesterday, 46 or 47. Uh, That's Celsius. So um, um, you Americans can convert. It's um, 1.8 C plus 32 equals Fahrenheit. Let me get this party started. Jihad Delhi has been through a very, very strict lockdown and as a part of a phased reopening of the city last week, the construction sector and some factories were open. And as of today, that shopping centers, malls, neighborhood markets and standalone kiosks being allowed to partially open. Also, private uh, offices are being allowed to operate again, but at limited capacity. And also, very important for those people who are hoping to resume work is the opening of the metro, as you mentioned. It was operating earlier, but only for frontline workers. Now it's open to the public, but only at 50% capacity. So it's a big step forward, but the government is also very eager to remind people and the message they are sending, we've made big gains, but we can't afford to let our guard down. Mm. So people in Delhi, are, are they relieved that the city is beginning to reopen? Relieved and Gerhard also, there's some sense of hope. The city has been through such a tough time. Now, you know, overall in India, you have, have the lowest number of infections in almost two months. And the death toll has also gone down. And Delhi itself has gone through harrowing times. Now, people have lost loved ones and people are still haunted by images of people dying due to the lack of medical oxygen. So now... So I guess the people that were going to die have died, so um, um, I'm not making light of anyone's death. Um, it just seems to me... This is by Rachel Marsden on RT.com. She says the European Union's Executive Commission has just announced the introduction of a pan EU digital identification that citizens of member states can use across the entire block that will store important identification and official documents like a driver's license, prescriptions, diplomas, and presumably COVID-19 tests and vaccination certificates. It will also be linked to an e-wallet where which large online platforms will be required to accept um and she thinks it's gonna get out of hand um as I was saying um you know I kept on saying all these things about all this they don't have enough wood to burn bodies in India now um they're trying to make it sound like everything's okay um Olga Kazan wrote that in The Atlantic. Angela 
Giu Frida uh, wrote in uh, The Guardian, anti-cruise ship campaigners in Venice claim they were deceived by the Italian government as hundreds protested against huge vessels docking in the historic city's port on Saturday. Residents were caught by surprise on Thursday when a cruise liner sailed into the lagoon city for the first time since the pandemic began. Despite Prime Minister Mario Draghi's government declaring that the ships would be banned from the historic center, the 92,000-ton MSC Orchestra collected 650 passengers before leaving for Bari in southern Italy on Saturday. The Italian government has been great at deceiving not only citizens of Venice, but papers and public opinion around the world, said Tommaso Acacciari, leader of the activist group, no grand navy, no. Um, Olga Kazan wrote this thing from, from in the Atlantic about porn. Um, I'm going to play it. Public health experts worry that teens, in particular, incorrectly see porn as an instruction guide for having sex. For that reason, researchers, policymakers, and porn stars alike support limiting kids' access to porn. The best way to do that and to contextualize whatever they do happen to see is through a combination of content filters, comprehensive sex education, and conversations about how porn isn't a realistic view of sex. You need to instill in your child their own personal brain filters. Emily Rothman, a health sciences professor at Boston University, told the reporter, Porn can be bad for adults. A small number of adults, roughly 11% of men and 3% of men, consider themselves porn addicts. Believing that porn is morally bad is strongly correlated with feeling like you have an addiction to it. The best predictor of self-perceived sexual abuse problems like pornography addiction is high levels of religiosity, says Brian Paul, media professor at Indiana University and a faculty affiliate of the Kinsey Institute, which studies human sexuality. It's a better predictor than actual amounts of use. Porn might pose other problems. Um, Watching porn reduces sexual satisfaction for men who watch porn more than once a month. Watching porn is associated with increased aggression and self- uh, I thought that was um, more interesting when I first read it. Most studies of porn raise questions of correlation and causation. Is someone depressed and lonely because they watch too much porn? Or are depressed, lonely people drawn to porn? Okay. Um. Most studies of porn raise questions of correlation and causation. Sorry to repeat myself there. Um, um, the recording sounds better on the uh, Anchor FM than um, than the the mic does recording my voice. 
legislators in 16 states have passed resolutions declaring that pornography and its ubiquity constitutes a public health crisis. The wave of bills started five years ago with Utah, which went a step further this spring by passing a law mandating that all cell phones and tablets sold in the state block access to pornography by default. The measure will not go into effect unless five other states pass similar laws, but that's very possible. Alabama is now considering um, the law. Okay. A similar bill. Groups such as the National Center on Sexual Exploitation and Anti-Obscenity, nonprofit that produced model legislation for the porn blocking bill and the public health crisis bills, argue that pornography increases problematic sexual activity among teens. I don't know where all this stuff is coming from. Um... In the USA, legislators in 16 states... I'm sorry. Sorry to repeat myself there. Um, Excuse me. Please forgive me. A giant barge anchored off the coast of Sri Lanka caught fire and burned for close to two weeks. Now the MV Express Pearl is sinking, and tons of plastic pellets it was carrying have been washing up with dead fish and sea turtles. Officials worry that oil and other toxic chemicals on board may also leak. Marine biologist Asha DeVos joins us now from Sri Lanka to talk about the potential impact. Thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you for having me. So I know you were just on the coast a couple of days ago. Tell us about what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went out to visit the worst hit beach, which is the one that's directly opposite where the ship fire occurred. And, um, you know, it's a beach that I've been to many times before. It's that idyllic tropical beach with the palm trees and the beautiful sand and, you know, just the stunning beaches. But of course, when I went this time, it was just a beach covered in these white pellets. And, you know, the saddest part is, I think, that there were so many pellets around, but this was after the Navy personnel had been cleaning for days on end. Every time they, you know, filled bags and took them inland, you know, amongst all these other thousands of bags, another wave would wash in with more pellets. So it, it just it seemed so unending, you know, and, and it was, to me, it was really sad to see. And marine life, of course, are eating these pellets. Um, is there a sense of the scale of the disaster, particularly as fire subsides and the ship begins to sink yeah so you know i think right now we're really grateful that we haven't had an oil spill yet and i think we're just really hopeful that that doesn't happen uh but you know obviously the immediate concern in the early days it said that there's 350 tons of uh, fuel on the ship um this is from uh, reuters and um uh, the Guardian wrote about this, and I got this on Google News, okay? It's how the news bounces around. U.S. mulling military response to ransomware attacks, Biden officials say. U.S. officials on Sunday ratcheted up pressure on companies and foreign adversaries to fight cyber criminals and said Joe Biden was considering options to counter the growing threat 
including a military response. In the USA, legislators in 16 states have passed resolutions. Okay, sorry about that. Um, now, um, can I get the last thing about uh, over there in Hong Kong with um, the um, June 4th commemoration of the Tian- Tiananmen Square massacre? Um, Suffice to say, there wasn't one this year. Been seeing blue skies and barricades in Beijing's Tiananmen Square, where 32 years ago today, Chinese troops launched a bloody crackdown on pro democracy protesters while the world watched in horror. Thousands of people were killed, although the official death toll is around 300. Now, mainland China would like the massacre to be forgotten. In Hong Kong, hundreds of police have been sealing off and clearing out Victoria Park. That's where huge vigils honoring the Tiananmen victims have been held for decades. Authorities say there will be no large assemblies due to the pandemic. Last year, many people defied the ban and gathered there anyway, but now a new national security law makes it clear that China no longer tolerates democratic dissent. Soon as Christy Wojcicki is live here at Victoria Park, and our Will Ripley standing by in Taipei. Uh, to you, Christy, uh, despite the fact that the vigil's been cancelled, there's uh, plenty of action at the park where the commemoration usually happens, so uh, right behind you there, what's the latest? Victoria Park in Hong Kong was full of cops. Um, um, so it goes. Um, it's pretty sad. Um, this, the Wall Street Journal had this headline in uh, Google News. Jihadists massacre at least 130 in Burkina Faso as West African violence surges. Um, and these two reporters from Al Jazeera um, got roughed up by the cops as one woman was in the hospital for her wrist. Um, Israel won't intervene and shake draw case making eviction of Palestinian families more likely. This is a um, neighborhood there in uh, East Jerusalem. Um, Let's see. Oh, Peru has the highest mortality levels for COVID-19. I just read about Li Wen Leong. He was infected by a woman who was um, 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 uh, he treated for glaucoma and then he died a couple weeks later from COVID-19 and he had told his classmates that he had seen people in um, quarantine at his um, in the hospital and uh, then the cops grabbed him and made him sign a uh, statement to let him go and then when he was um, um, dead he was given a hero's reception by the powers that be Um, India's gonna give uh, adults free COVID shots after bungled vaccine rollout Roaring deaths. This is what Reuters India says. Um, 
major Chinese city battles. Delta COVID variant first detected in India with lockdowns, mass testing. So this is in Guangzhou. Um, there's, uh, um, you know, um, they make a lot of things over there in China, as, as you all know. Um, and um, these guys from India know how to do business. Um, so God help us all. Biden under pressure to help boost global vaccine supply. This is from The Hill. Um, they're a website that I became aware of this year. Um, that's all the news I got. Um, this is the Quarter Hour Podcast. Uh, please um, forgive me for my presentation. And um, um, I wish I was more entertaining. The um, mission of the Quarter Hour Podcast is to first entertain and secondly inform. This is Omar WJ. Please tune in tomorrow. Or I forgot to say, 0% chance of rain.